0: Welcome to Tempest, a history podcast. I'm Matt Smith, and a one two three one two three one two three. So this one,
1: two, three, is the uh, ballroom. Got to be a little bit careful in certain areas, but that's where we've got it cordoned off, so you just need to stay inside those taped
0: off areas. In today's episode of Tempest, we'll be exploring the ballroom of Flinders Street Railway Station in Melbourne. Now, I know what you're thinking, there's something a bit strange about a ballroom being at a railway station. Well, the station at Flinders Street has been around for a long time and it's pretty much used to being at the centre of everything.
1: I work underneath the dome, so this is the dome. This is the view from your office? This is the view from my office. Although, when you're sitting back there working hard, head down, you don't actually see it. All this underneath here is the ticketed area. And then at the front there, of course, you've got all your clocks that you walk up and sit underneath the, on, you know, underneath the clocks and on the steps. Um, and you look across at St Paul's and if you're welcome to have a look out there
0: as well. The Flinders Railway Station in Melbourne lies at the corner of Swanson Street and Flinders Street. It's just over a century old and with a striking yellow colour, a grand design and a big impressive dome over the top, it's probably one of the most iconic buildings in Melbourne and definitely the most photographed. I'm with Peter Watson, the Station Experience Manager for Metro Trains and yes he is currently showing off the view from his office. The great thing
1: about here is obviously every disruption or
0: strike or procession or whatever, they
1: all go through here. This is the main point just about in Melbourne. So we get to witness just about all the, the main events that happened. So from grand final processions to the Melbourne Cup over the years to the pensioners taking off their clothes and standing in the middle in underpants and all sorts of weird and wonderful things.
0: This feels like a view that you should never have. If so used to looking up at the, the Flinders Street station from the other angle And, um, you know, probably that corner over there is never
1: free of somebody taking a photo. No, it is good. It's a great little perspective. And I like the fact that you're not actually, you sit in it, as opposed to a lot of the high-rise, you look down on
0: everything. No, it's a great, great part of the world, yeah. Now, as impressive as the view from Peter's Window is, this isn't a podcast about that. The part of Flinders Street Station that people point their cameras at is in pretty good condition, but it's actually a lot bigger than that. It extends for an entire block, and if you ever get down to the Elizabeth Street side of the building, you'll find that it has a much different story. We actually have no one working through here at the moment, because of the water damage, a few other problems
1: we've got with the, the area. No one's lived in that area, so to speak, since about 1999, so, it's like old, old places. When you see it, it's the ambience of it, it's just got, there's something that's very nice about it, but then again, there's the sad side of it, that, considering it's probably the most iconic building you've got in Melbourne. It deserves to have a little bit
0: better treatment and we'll see why. That's a big difference from, from that relatively... I, I was walking down that hallway thinking this isn't too bad, I don't know what he's talking about, and then this is just...
1: No maintenance, no care, no nothing.
0: Flinders Street Station was once a hub of social activity in Melbourne. The Elizabeth Street end of the complex was home to the Victorian Railway Institute. And while they mostly looked after employees, they were also open to a wider community. So, they had a gym. There was a fencing
1: club, for instance. They were training for the Olympics.
0: They had a nursery. They had over 120,000 kids come through here. They had restaurants and butchers and bakers.
1: I'm not sure that's quite true, but they're saying that they created raisin bread.
0: And right at the end of the hall, they had their very own ballroom. Eventually, as Melbourne grew, these spaces went out of use, until finally the railways were privatised, at which point they were put behind a gate and pretty much left to their own devices. So this is the uh, ballroom.
1: got to be a little bit careful in certain areas, but that's where we've got it cordoned off so you just need to stay inside those taped off areas.
0: Is there a reason why the edges of the
1: room are taped off? just for some of the uh, plaster work that's sitting up over the windows uh, starting to fall away. The roof and everything else, the acoustics of it are fantastic but as you can see there's a lot of deterioration around the tops of the windows and the acoustics, if you hear music or singing in here it's it's quite stunning. We had two grand pianos in here last year they piped that out across the station platforms and over to Fed Square, that was a two-hour concert and that was just magnificent. We had them. Um, gentleman come in and he played the flute up the top here, that was the first time I'd heard it in years.
0: I do notice here that uh, compared to the rest of the station definitely you can hear the trains more here, I'm I'm feeling the the ground shake as well when they go past so all of that would have been an experience of the lectures and the ballroom dancing and everything like that wouldn't it? It's
1: very intimate isn't it, I mean you're, you're in it, you're up that little bit higher, the outside area is a bit more exposed so you don't have a lot more of the shelter across the top of the platforms to take away the vibration and the noise. So while they're double glazed windows, yeah, there's a lot more noise. The windows are open across the top, so that's coming through. You do also get the trams from the other side, and then you have your train and get that real railway feel about the place. So yeah, it's, um, you don't notice it. I don't notice it all the time.
0: You've been working here for a lot longer than I've been here, so I'd notice it. You don't have to, but uh, for me, that's all just part of the, uh, the experience of this space. When the station was first opened in 1910, the ballroom was intended to be a lecture hall But after seven years of low attendance, the commissioners got disappointed, so they decided to change the function. Over the years, it's seen a lot of different uses. Sometimes as a meeting space, sometimes for classes, other times they showed movies from a projector in the rear wall. Its most famous use, and the one it has the most association with, is with ballroom dancing. It's always been um, a special room, if you like.
1: It's always been called the Grand Ballroom, and you're seeing it now. It's not actually huge by any stretch of the imagination now, but if you go back to when it was built, and it's the height of its day back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, this room would have been a quite significant room in Melbourne.
0: Even though it was the centre of activity, Flinders Street Station never forgot that it was a railway station first and a ballroom second. Dancers needed to finish promptly so that everyone attending had the opportunity to jump on the last train before it pulled out of the station. There's something really special, I think, about a, an era where you're going, we're building a train station, what does it need? Well, of course it needs a ballroom. Let's put that up there, let's account for that in the budget. That's right.
1: Well, you know, there's, there's uh, employee well-being, and you've got to keep the staff happy and you've got to keep the people around the station happy. So and I think dancing in those days in particular was a, it was a major part of people's lives. You know, they used to go out quite regularly for the dance. A lot of railways and companies in those days, uh, they were very, very family-minded. So those types of events were regular, and they all got together and had a great time. You see some old photos, and, and this place was just packed, absolutely packed. I would like to come back and see it. I'd love to see it.
0: 3rd of September, 1940. To aid their patriotic fund for war charities, members of the Victorian Railways Debating Club held a dance last night in the ballroom, at which 200 guests were present. The organising secretaries were Mrs. H.J. Clarke and 21st of July 1938. Hundreds of orange, gold and green fairy lights decorated the ballroom at the Victorian Railways Institute last night, when the annual dance of the Schools Committee Association and the Victorian Federation of Mothers Clubs was held 4th of July 1910. A successful concert was held on Saturday night at the Victorian Railways Institute in the Flinders Street Station building. The large concert hall was filled, and the audience was quite satisfied with the program presented, insisting on recalls of the artists. So do you remember this space back when it was in regular use? Yeah. How long?
1: Um, well, not a regular use. When I started in Melbourne, it was 1980. I can't say for certain, but there was about 28,000 people employed by the Victorian railways back in those days. So places like this weren't—they st- weren't being used that often even then. I had the odd event, but it was still being used for black and white uh, movies. They were just sort of semi-regular events. But I don't really remember it being used from probably about mid to late 1980s. So
0: so since that point, it's come into the state that it is now, really?
1: Yeah, but it it took a long time to get to this, especially I've noticed since the drought broke, with a lot more rain, a lot more moisture, it's deteriorated a lot. But I, I guess as more bits and pieces might fall away, if you're a photographer, They
0: love it. (laughs) So while the ballroom is currently falling apart and in a state of disrepair, it could see some sort of a second life down the track. In 2013, a design competition was held to find plans for a new development for the railway station. The good part about it with the
1: design competition,
0: all of this space
1: here, and that goes the whole of Flinders Street and the outside, the integrity had to be maintained. In here, they had to restore the ballroom, but it's what they do with the space. So it's nice to know that they they do have to restore this particular part.
0: And no matter what happens to the space that is the ballroom, there's still going to be plenty of people who can recall what it was like back during its grand old days.
1: Well, we have some great stories. Um, I had a guy in here, a gentleman and his wife came in. He said, oh, and he said, I'm doing what I did when I first met my wife. I said, oh, what's that? And he goes, I was working for the railways, I was 18. I was coming in here to do a training day. I read that there was a dance upstairs. I missed my training, I went to the dance with my mate, I met my wife, she's still my wife, I was meant to be actually doing something else today, I've missed that so I could come back into the ballroom and they just had a fantastic time. So it was, I don't know, 50 odd years later, he was still doing the same thing, he was playing
0: hooky just to come to the ballroom. That's Peter Watson, Senior Manager for Network Operations at Metro Trains Melbourne. You've been listening to the podcast Tempest. And a version of this story also appeared on ABC Radio National program By Design. Now dancing might have been popular entertainment for a while, but that hasn't always been the case. I asked my friend and Roman historian Rhiannon Evans what the Romans thought of dancing. Here's what she had to say. Unfortunately, we don't know much about Roman dancing. One of the main aspects of it seems to have been ritual. For example, there were some priests called the Salii, who were priests of Mars, and part of their ritual was to leap and dance around the streets. And they carried shields, which is quite appropriate for priests of Mars, and they beat the time on the shields. They also sang some kind of ritual song, which was so archaic that the ancient Romans didn't understand it. And considering we now have Nickelback, I guess we aren't all that different. And my thanks to Dr. Rhiannon Evans for that. If you like this podcast, you can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can subscribe, tell your friends about it, or leave us a review. Please tell your friends and leave a review. You, my dear listeners, are the extent of my marketing budget. You can like the podcast on Facebook or send me a tweet. I'm at NightlightGuy. And there's also photos of the ballroom and an article to go along with this at TempestPodcast.com. Make sure you listen now for the next episode of Tempest. Until then, I'm Matt Smith. You've been fantastic and thanks for listening.